0: Hello, all you reinventers out there. This is Leslie Jane Seymour. I'm the founder of this podcast and of The Covey Club. And I want to talk to you just a little bit about maybe reinventing without a plan. You know, I'm look, I'm a control freak too. Everything has to be, my bed has to be made perfectly every morning. My husband jokes about the, the bed police coming. And some of us think that's the only way we're gonna get to where we wanna be, and especially when it comes to reinvention. And what I love to do is throw a monkey wrench into that for people who just have let it happen to them and let their lives unfold. And they follow little breadcrumbs that are thrown in their path and see where they take them. I think they probably have a less anxiety-filled life than the other type of people, maybe but I love to hear sort of how people just sort of find their way to the things that really give them joy. And with the moral of the story being that maybe you don't have to plan so much. Maybe you can follow the things when they happen, but you definitely have to be alert to knowing when they're happening. So I'm really excited to bring you Jennifer Dagenhart. and she's got a great story about being, you know, an exploratory kid who grew up in Connecticut with parents who were teachers. And she just decided she wanted to go somewhere different and not necessarily have to prepare. She just had a sense of adventure. And in high school, was sent to Bolivia for a semester with no knowledge of the language whatsoever. And she got on. She loved it. And then she went on to be a Spanish teacher and in public schools and just because she found that her students were so bored with the regular books and things put in front of them. And she was bored as well. She started creating books for them. And she actually has written 17 books now um, for people um, uh, studying Spanish and then they've been translated into French and she said now German. So it's kind of one of those stories about kind of letting it happen. Of course, your eyes have to be open and you have to follow the little threads, but it's an interesting story, and I hope that you will enjoy meeting Jen Dagenhart. Here she is. So welcome, Jen. I'm so glad to have you here today.
1: Thank you, Leslie. I'm really excited to be here with you as well.
0: So what we want to talk about is reinvention. And um, the big, the first question for you is, you know, how, where'd you start? Where'd you grow up? I know you're sitting up there. I think you're in Connecticut, where you said it's, what, 12 degrees? <laughs> today is that where you grew up and are you back home so tell tell us a little bit about that and what your original trajectory was
1: yes i grew up here in connecticut and um it is 12 degrees a whole degree warmer than it was when i first woke up um yeah i grew up in clinton connecticut and um you know, just a a typical trajectory. I went to high school and then went to college in Vermont, another cold place, and um, had great big dreams of going to the Southwest after graduation, and I got as far as New Hampshire. Um, So here I am back in Connecticut. So I guess New England is in my blood. And um, yeah, I just, um, I, in high school uh, was really the start of my of my now life, sort of. I was an exchange student to Bolivia for a whole year. So that really shaped um, the rest of my life.
0: Do you wanna talk about that? And oh, how sure. you, because I know you talk about, you went to Bolivia not knowing any Spanish, you couldn't speak. It's not like you'd prepared for this your whole life, so it's, and I'm sure that there are people um, who've been thrust into those situations. But I'd love to know why did you thrust yourself into that situation, and is that just part of your exploratory kind of personality?
1: I think that's it. I think it is part of um, how I like to explore. Um, I don't prepare for a lot of things, and I just sort of take it as it comes and when i had the opportunity to apply for an exchange program in high school i didn't even select the country to where i wanted to go um i just left it up to up to the program and And they selected Southern Hemisphere for me and they selected Bolivia. So I said, okay. And of course, the first thing I had to do was look up on a map where it was. And um, I just got on the plane and went and I didn't know any Spanish. I was previously studying French in middle school and high school. And I didn't really think anything of it. I said, well, I figure I'll learn it when I'm down there. I knew five words. girl, boy, bathroom, food, and thank you. Um, And I was really just, and thrust into the situation where I had to learn it. And it really is the best way to learn a language because I had um, no other choice. So I could communicate with other people. I I picked it up by the end of the first week, I could say, hi, my name is Jen. I'm 16 and I'm from the United States. but i um w- later on um i i love spanish i just loved being able to communicate in another language and going to bolivia showed me um that there's there's really so much more to to look at and see and experience in the world and that's that is cliche of course but um i was able to see so um, a life that was so different from the one that i was living in connecticut and I know that as a teenager, I, I wasn't really tuned into everything, but now looking back, you know, it really did shape how I look at people and um, and how they live, and that really has contributed to, you know, what I do now when writing writing the little books that I that I do. But just oh. as an example, oh, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say. So talk about that because I had a similar experience. Going, I didn't go um, until I was a junior in college. I hadn't left the states, and I went over to France. I'd been studying French my whole life, so it made sense finally to sit across the table. And I used to moan and groan, going, "Why am I learning this conjugation of a verb? Who cares?" And then when the butter's on the other side of the table and you want it (laughs) and no one there speaks English at all, you suddenly get it. So it is it is extraordinary learning another language. And I think it's um, it's one of those eye opening things and can be like that. So maybe talk about how that that experience then moved you into what you do now.
1: Well, I, um, both of my parents were teachers and, and not really knowing how to explore other, um, opportunities in, you know, professions, you know, I thought, well, you know, my parents both enjoyed their, their careers, you know, I'll become a teacher too, because that seemed the path of least resistance. And also getting back to where I don't plan for anything, um, or think about things or research too much. Um, They told me at at when I was in college, well, you have to declare a major. And I said, well, what do I have the most credits in? And they said Spanish. I said, well, put that down because I really didn't know. I didn't, um, so everything is just, I've sort of let it unfold. As it's taking place. I mean, there was no okay. First, I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do this, and it seemed to work out for me. You know, so far in life, I'm still here and 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 thriving. So I'm going to continue with this sort of uh, non-plan. But um, when I when I started started writing, I realized that and and in teaching too. What I really love about teaching is not. Spanish per se. I mean I like it. It's great. I love to be able to communicate in a in a new language, but I really like people and I love to see my students now even at the college level. I love to see and witness when they get it. And and I and with my adult clients too. I like to see that oh, yeah, I get it. This is not as hard as as I've made it out to be in my mind, you know, other, you know, students really like the aha moment. Oh, I can do it. And, and I think that that's fascinating with respect to, um, the connectedness of people that it doesn't always have to be perfect. Well, of course it's not always perfect. It's very rarely perfect. As a matter of fact, even in English, as I've stumbled a couple of times already this morning. Um, and I, I think that is is the key to you know to connection with humans and that's the part I like the best. So I try to incorporate what I learned as an adolescent into the stories that I write and and learning in the story about other things not just Spanish and not just about culture, but having other life lessons in this in this books as well.
0: So, just to get it a little more clear, so you became a teacher and you currently are a teacher, and then you started writing books for kids as well. Do you want to explain that just so people really are oriented to what you do? Yes,
1: I was a, um, a high school teacher in a public school for you know, over 24 years and during that time I had the, the, the great opportunity to teach students with learning challenges and they were just not buying into the traditional textbook um, way of learning and, and I wasn't doing a very good job apparently delivering the material because I asked them one day I said this isn't working is it and they said no. It's not. And I said, Okay, well, let me rethink. I'll go back and go back to the drawing board, so to speak. I didn't know how, but I needed something I needed a better vehicle for them to learn the language that was more interesting, and less practice and less rote based because they were bored out of their minds. And. I knew it, and I was too. So it came to me that well, maybe a story. I, I don't even know where this came from. It must have been some sort of, you know, divine intervention. And um, so I thought about well, story. I've never written a story before in my life. Um, I like to write, but um, not and put words together. But I'd never. know, thought about a story. So I, I gathered up all of the themes and all of the vocabulary and grammar that I was supposed to cover in the curriculum, and, um, and laid it out and came up with a story that was a little bit more interesting. And that began the the writing journey, it was really to start to serve my students to serve that population that wasn't um, that wasn't getting what they were supposed to get or what they needed to get through language instruction. And I found, too, that their confidence was built by learning through a story. Um, they we were less um, concentrated on the grammar and the vocabulary and you know the precision of it and more about talking about what was going on in the book, because, of course, I created some drama because teenagers love drama and when that happened, I knew that that I was really onto something. So, you know, after maybe, you know, three or four years of of teaching that book, I, um, you know, I published it and figured I had more to say. And I did have more to say and just kept writing. And when the opportunity arose to um, to do to teach part time, the college level, um, you know, that was um, that worked out well because i could write part-time and i could still teach because i I do love students
0: and are you still teaching disadvantaged students or um, students that don't um, have regular learning or is it are you switched over just to the average kid at this point
1: well i wouldn't say um I think all students are not average in some way, and the students that I teach um, at UConn Stanford, um, they're taking language as a requirement, by and large, are taking language as a requirement, so um, what I try to do is to create a an atmosphere for them where they can really acquire some language, because let's face it, um, nobody needs to be perfect in Spanish in the business world. It's more about a cultural dexterity and having some, some language um, under your belt so you can speak with other people if necessary and to create that human connection. Because um, even I'm as a writer, if I need my stuff edited, I hire someone. And, you know, and I'm pretty fluent in the language. So if someone is going into the workforce to to have a, you know, full backing of language, it's not necessary because if you need something written, you're going to hire somebody. And um, my students also, um, I would say a good percentage of them are first generation students who, who need that extra support, um, first generation college students, I mean, um, who need that extra support with um with a course like this because what i have found at the high school level you know teachers are are not embracing this sort of um big picture idea of teaching language and um i want them to be successful and i want them to have the confidence to know that yes they can because if i taught students in high school with learning challenges then a student without learning challenges who may not always have had the support can also learn a language. so so those are the students that that i'm teaching now and you know and mixed in there too are just the you know your average student i su- i suppose but also i have um, students who are who are already bilingual who are taking the course because it's a requirement and so i have to incorporate them as well. So it's, it's, it's pretty interesting and it's not, I would say it's challenging, but it's not because it's just so much fun.
0: It's interesting to me that, I mean, I would think that a language like Spanish today would be so important, especially in the States. And how do the students feel?
1: They really wanna learn well, the ones who who want to learn the language really want to learn how to speak the language, Um, because, you know, as you brought up earlier, you know, conjugating a verb, I mean, that is going to be a deterrent if 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 the person speaking and learning the language is so worried about getting the right conjugation of the verb in order to communicate with somebody, I mean, even so um, with different dialects, even in in the United States or um, overseas you know speaking with somebody from from the uk or south africa or australia using vocabulary um that i'm not familiar with i have to ask questions even in english so it's i like to take it down take it down a notch that nobody really cares and especially um spanish-speaking people i have found in the united states are delighted when people make the effort to speak with them and they don't care if it's perfect and we don't either in um and i don't think that we realize that that people who have grown up here in the united states we will totally you know understand or make it work with people who don't speak english uh 100 fluently i mean i've always used the um back in the day, of course I'm dating myself a little bit here, but back in the day when we used to call to order out um food from ethnic restaurants, not, you know, with Grubhub and DoorDash and all that stuff. Um, we would still be able to communicate what we wanted and understand the people who um by and large were are not fluent English speakers. We always got the food. So the communication works. And um and I think that I I wish that more people, more United Statesians would adapt that um that belief that it doesn't have to be perfect. Just get your point across. and once you do, if that person doesn't understand, it's incumbent upon that person to ask the question. so it's it's like a game to me. to me, it's a
0: game, uh-huh. Talk to me a little bit about how you had the nerve to start writing books, though, because and how many books you've written, and because that—I mean—there are a lot of people who want to be writers, and they—they, they, you know, again, they don't have to be best-selling writers, but they want to—they want to they do it. They don't know how to start. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to begin. They have an idea. They may have a a manuscript. Um, how, it sounds like yours was just so organic that it just kind of happened.
1: It was. Well, and it, because it had a purpose for my students, um, that's, you know, that was the push for me because I, I needed something. Um, but for people who who want to write, um, my first my first thought to them is if you think your writing is good enough, to be out there in the public chances are good someone else has that will think the same of your writing and who are you to deny them that opportunity, so just you know and to borrow the Nike slogan just do it, Um, I, I did that. And um, I self-publish, so you know we're not talking. I don't have the backing of Simon and Schuster or you know Scholastic or anything else like that. I just put it out there because my students encouraged me to do that. So if I can encourage someone else to just do it as well, um, the rest will take care of itself. It's a it's a huge learning curve, but just like anything else, it's it's a process.
0: I yeah, talk about how you figured out how to self-publish and then do you sell the books to the schools or do you go beyond the school that you're at or how does that work?
1: I yes, I do self-publish and this is how I do my research. As I said before, I'm not a great researcher, but um, I love Google and this is not a plug for Google, but I typed in self-publishing and the first thing I wanted to to know was um, where could I self-publish where I didn't have to lay out any money? Well, and um, there happens to be Kindle Direct Publishing, which used to be called CreateSpace. And it's a subsidiary of Amazon. And I and I know that some people have some issues with um, the conglomerate, but um, it's made my life <laughs> very easy. And they really have a great setup for people who are new to this. And it it's a step-by-step process. They have everything, any question you could ask, it's in the help section. And I learned little by little, oh, I've, oh, I've messed up. I've created some, some real disasters. But with Kindle Direct Publishing, you can fix it. And, and I love that too, that, you know, you were in charge of, not only um your your own products but you can fix your own mistakes and i think that's a really great metaphor for life too because i really put out some doozies in the beginning i mean so much so where my first book had the title page on the left hand side of the book i i didn't know i didn't know until i ordered a copy of it and saw it and i said oh i need to fix this and um but It's okay because other people are making mistakes, too. And and that's how that's how we learn. And so um, and I just put it out there. I joined some groups on Facebook and I don't know whether I should say I'm proud or not proud, but I have not spent that much money on advertising. But I've advertised in these groups where people who already use this type of resource in the classroom, and it just sort of caught on. And people said, oh, I love this book, the first book, La Chica Nueva. It's it's very easy to read, and, um, and people wanted more. And teachers on those groups, too, made suggestions to me for improvements, which were Wonderful for me. Wonderful. And it's a great and very supportive community. So I um, have enjoyed that camaraderie as well. And um, just knowing and for me as a on a personal note, I really had um, some things that I wanted to teach my own students that I figured other teachers would want to have to teach to their students as well. My my books um, have, uh, Hispanic characters in them to, uh, so that they can, Hispanic students can see themselves in a book. They also have a lot of representation for underserved populations or communities, LGBTQ, um, students with special needs. I've got a, um, a book that just came out with a boy who, a character who uses a wheelchair and, um, and economic disparities, you know, things that exist in the real world, because when I look back my first book I wrote with my students in mind, my students from a, a wealthy community who who may have had international experience, but not international experience with um, with folks different from themselves, so I just wanted to present to them that different perspective because I think that will help with awareness and understanding. And so now, yes, I um, people reached out to me. There is a um, there's a publisher uh, and an and outfit that distributes teacher created materials for other teachers called Teachers Discovery, and they found me, and um, and asked if they could. Um, represent my books and, and sell my books. And and I was not stupid. And I said, yes, of course. And now we have a really great working relationship. And they carry most of my books and distribute them
0: to, to schools. When you say it's um, Kindle, so is it only on the Kindle? But then it sounds like you get printed also.
1: It's both. It's, um, it's Kindle and um, and I started with the, with the print version because I, I happen to like print books and I wasn't um, I didn't really know enough about the um, Kindle product now, but they do have a, a product where if you publish a print book, it can be converted directly w- I mean, with a few um, technological wizardry um, into a Kindle book. And they also have, um, oh, I think it's ADX, um, an audible, so you can create it as an audiobook as well so they do have all of the um all of the components that you would need to to launch a book it, it is it's a daunting process to learn everything but it's all there it's um and it is for the beginner you just um don't have you have to manage your expectations and do it one piece at a time and i mean it's taken me i think three or four years to figure it all and i still don't know all of the ins and outs of everything but it's it's there for you so but i prefer because i think that you know having a, a you know a physical copy of a book is is real is the best i mean i'm i'm a little biased of course but i'm i'm a little old too so uh, i'm not really into this whole electronic thing
0: That's awesome. So do you have a sense? How many books have you written? Is it like eight or something?
1: Oh, I have written um, 17 books in Spanish. And um, the the stories um, teachers have reached out to me, uh, French teachers and said, how come this isn't in French? And I said, well, because I don't write in French. And um, this woman reached out to me and she said, well, I'll translate your book from Spanish to French for you. I said, great. So she's translated maybe three of my books into French. And um, and also I had started translating my books to English, which is really harder than than I thought it would be, actually. So I stopped doing that myself. And I and I hired um, my niece to do it because she speaks Spanish and she um, she's still a high school student but she um, translates them to English for me because I being, you know, the author of the original text in Spanish, it was really hard for me to figure out what I wanted to say. So when I remove myself from that, it makes it a lot easier. So I have six of the books so far in English for either English learners, learners of English or for um, elementary students Uh, because the language is simple. I try to keep the language very simple and accessible, with a lot of cognates, you know, words that are similar in, in both languages. So students can really grasp onto the story without knowing all of it. We, I mean, I read books in English where I don't know all the books and this is a horrible thing to say as a teacher, but I don't look up the words. So, um, you know, I don't look up all the words. So, you know, you don't need to know that as you know, when the story is going on. Right. And I also have um, one book in German. Right, oh, wow. Okay. there's more coming. Okay, so um, it's become quite quite a big process. And the woman who originally translated my books into French, she and she writes books as well in French. So she and I have teamed up to offer our books um, on a new website called um, Digilangua.co, and um, that's where where teachers can um, purchase a library, a subscription to a library of our books, the digital books, plus the audio. So students can access them um, throughout the school year. So for free reading and stuff like that.
0: So go back, cause we're almost at the end here, just okay. at, because there are some people who are, they're afraid of just letting it happen or let it come to them or, you know, we all feel like we have to be so directed and, you know, if we don't direct our lives, if we don't direct everything, especially at this point in our lives where you're maybe limited on time as you get a little older, how do you feel about that now? I
1: Early on in in this writing process, I found a quote somewhere which said, if you can't stop thinking about it, don't stop working towards it or something to that effect. And I put that on the refrigerator and walked by it every day and and I just kept at it. And I think that you know, the worst case scenario, what's the worst case scenario? It doesn't get done. And um and I just really if it's a passion and you can't stop thinking about it, I would recommend that you just do it. Don't um It's really hard. And I had a lot of family members try to talk me out of this and um, other friends, too, that probably didn't really weigh in on my on my decision to do it. But it was sort of something that that I was compelled to do. It was a passion, but I it came from someplace else. And I think that if 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 the person who wants to reinvent him or herself or themselves that way, that just keep doing it. I mean, there's, there's absolutely nothing to lose. There's nothing to lose. And, um, and you may benefit somebody. I didn't really understand that part of it in the beginning, you know, well, you need to find the pain point and, and being directed by, by coaches and, and coaches that did a, a particular coach that didn't, didn't direct me properly. I just, I needed the permission. And the permission from within to just do it and i would love to see more people do that because it's the it's the best thing the the somatic response is um is beautiful so um that would be my recommendation i know that's not concrete but but that's that would be my recommendation is just to keep going.
0: And, no, I love and- it. That's concrete enough. That's okay. excellent. <laughs> that's excellent. No, I mean, and then it works, you know, if it works for you, then that's how it works. And everybody gets so freaked out that, you know, that they're not on the hamster wheel and you don't always have to be on the hamster wheel to make something happen, which is great. So any last words? So we're going to close up. It's our time. Well, no. And I just
1: enjoyed so much being here today. Thank you so much. And um, I love talking about my passion and I hope others will um, seek theirs as well.
0: Me too. Thanks so much, Jen. I appreciate you being here.
1: Thank you, Leslie.
0: So thank you so much for joining us on Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. I hope this was inspiring for you, if it was. Please give us some stars, rate us, share us with friends that might need help reinventing. I think there's gonna be a lot of reinvention coming our way in the next year. And people want to reinvent in different ways. And if you're looking for more reinvention help and inspiration, come over to the coveyclub.com c-o-v-e-y club.com and join us over there we have a wonderful group of women and some men who are willing to help each other and make this part of their lives the best time they've ever had come join us be inspired and find the tips and tricks that you need to make this the most blissful time of your life see you there